Good morning, all. Good morning. Yes, fantastic. Okay, um, this morning we're beginning a new little three-part series we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks uh, on generosity. And I thought we would start, excuse me, uh, with Name That Tune. It's quite a tough one, but I think some of you will get it. So um, hit, hit the music and... Uh, Let's see if any of you who can get it first. Anyone? Anyone? No? I, I expected Graham. Rob? Chorus line, if we can. Um, the song is called. Do you know? Anyone know? You know the song? Okay, it's called You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. It was probably, I reckon, 96, maybe. I think it was on Fresh Hits, 96. Okay, and the reason we have that, Josh, is because. I'm going to change that and say that we don't, we, well, we do get what we give, and that will very much be covered in the next couple of weeks. But today, everyone, the message of the day is you only give what you get, okay? You can only give what you get. So I can't give you 10 pounds if I don't have 10 pounds. That's very financial, but we can only give what we get. And um, as we begin this series looking at generosity, uh, if we just have a look at that. Okay, so we are seeing how God's grace makes us generous. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to take a week to look at what we get, we're going to take a week to look at what we give, and then we're going to take a week to look at how that causes us to grow. So I have the pleasure this morning of looking at what we get from God, what we get in His grace. And um, that is the place I want us to start, is that we can only give what we've got. And so actually... What we really need to do and where we're going to start is by remembering, I sound like a broken record, who our Father is, okay? Who God our Father is, because He is our provider, He's Jehovah Jireh. And that's what we're going to be looking a bit at this morning, how God's generosity fills us up so that we have so much to give. And um, just as we get going, very quickly, just have a little think. What does generosity do? So... Maybe have a think of a time where someone's been really generous to you, where you've experienced something that was way more than you thought you'd get, and how did that make you feel? Don't know if a particular story comes to mind, or it might be something you saw happen to a friend. Um, but the thing that I see happen when someone is extravagantly generous is that it communicates incredible worth to that person. So... Um, we're not going to look at it uh, now, but last, last week uh, when we did the sanctuary, we, we had a little look at a clip of um, a church where they actually, to begin their generosity series, they tipped some waitresses around $300 for just uh, two people having a coffee. And you could see the reaction on their faces. It was, it was incredible because, I mean, that was like, that was 
not a normal amount to receive as a tip for two coffees. And you could see just that look in the person's eyes of, man, am I, am I worth this much? And that, when we talk about generosity, that's, for me, what I want us to be thinking about. And I don't just mean money. Um, I think time, I think just being generous with who we are, with our gifts, with what we have, all of these things, they're ways that we can communicate worth to each other. But actually, we can only do that once we have received that incredible sense of worth from God in how he sees us and in who he says we are. So, just to summarize, when we talk about generosity, I'm basically saying anything, any kind of giving that communicates worth. That's what we're going for today. Okay, so, I want us to have a little think about what it means to know God as a generous father. And um, I was thinking through my reels of film clips, what could do this, what could tell the story. And the one I came up with, um, I don't know if any of you have seen it, is The Pursuit of Happiness. Have any of you seen The Pursuit of Happiness? A film with Will Smith and his son, I think it's Jaden. And it's a really moving story about um, essentially a father's desperation to be able to provide for his son. So we're going to watch the trailer. And just before we do, I want you to really pay attention to the first line, okay? I think it's the first line. first time when I was 28 years old. When I had children, my children were going to know who their father was. Yeah. Chris Gardner was doing his best. We don't need two. We don't need one. Maybe next quarter. It's possible. But his best... Hey! Wait! ...wasn't enough. Man, I got two questions for you. What do you do, and how do you do it? I'm a stockbroker. Stockbroker. Oh. Hey, I'm gonna let you hang on to my car for the weekend, but I need it back for Monday. Feed the meter. <laughs> I need the rent. I can't wait anymore. I need you out of here in the morning. You gotta trust me, all right? I trust you. Because I'm getting a better job. Ooh, yeah. Let me see if I can find you an application for our internship. Yeah. Did mom leave because of me? Mom left because of mom, and you didn't have anything to do with that. There's no salary. No. I was not aware of that. My circumstances have changed some. Dad, where are we going? I don't know. Last year, we had an intern score on 90% on the written exam. He wasn't chosen. It's not a simple pass-fail. You're not quitting on us yet, are you? Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. Jay says you're pretty determined. Where are you going? Go to the hospital. I'm in a competitive internship at Dean Witter. He said you're smart. This is impossible. I can do it. No, you can't. No one can. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. Okay, so um, the opening line there, I don't know if you heard it, but he says, and it's a true story, this film, it's quite, it's quite incredible, um, the actual story. He says, I never knew my father until I was 28 years old. 
And then he says, I decided when I was going to have children, they were going to know who their father was. And um, you then basically see the, the guy that Will Smith is playing go on a journey of really um, desperately trying to provide for his family and for his son, essentially when he can't do that at the beginning. Um, and this thing of God being our provider, and a lot of us, I guess, particularly fathers here, I think it's fair to say a lot of fathers, I can't speak for this myself, but there's a feeling of responsibility in providing for a family. And this idea of God and a father being a provider, for me, it's something that we all are in the process of relearning. Um, Someone I knew said that, that God is supposed to be the perfect dad, and all of us in our earthly fathers were supposed to experience this perfect dad. But because we live in a broken world, we don't all get to experience that. But actually relearning how perfect our heavenly dad is is such a key to us knowing his generosity, to us knowing his nature. And again, I'm really not just talking about money. I'm talking about the fact that he sees everything, that he's there for us, that he is desperate to spend time with us, um, that he will give everything for us. And the stories that we've heard this morning, some of those Bible stories, they were looking at that, and we'll come on to that later, but think of the wedding at the Cana in Galilee, how generous Jesus is. Think of so many of the stories of his encounters with people. He represents an incredibly generous father. And um, the first reading we had this morning, uh, it talked about where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. And a lot of you may be thinking, why on earth would a good God ask someone to sacrifice their son. But the, pivot, um, the pivotal point we see in this story is, is the line where Abraham says, uh, he says, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. And that's actually where we get the name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides from. And this is the most incredible picture of God's covenant with mankind. And I just want to really quickly um, unpack a little bit about what it means to be in a covenant with God because I think it's the most simple but beautiful illustration of how God provides for us and what it means um, to know him and to be in his family and to be in a covenant relationship with him. So where Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac and God says, no, don't do that. I will provide the sacrifice. That is a picture of what later happens in Jesus, where God obviously provides his son to be a sacrifice for us. But just to give a little demonstration of how a covenant works, I'm going to ask for a couple of volunteers. So, um, who would uh, front row volunteers? Frank, how do you feel about being Jesus this morning? Great. Okay. Graham, you're going to represent us, if that's okay. Okay, so the picture I want us to get of a covenant is it's the idea that two different groups would basically say that everything they had belonged to each other. And what they would actually do in biblical times is they would swap places, okay? So, for instance, you might have someone who owned a herd of goats. Graham's got a herd of goats. Frank has got a herd of cows, and they think, okay, we're nomads, it's going to make sense if we actually make a covenant with each other and then we'll say that everything we've got, the other person's got. So they would, what they would actually do is they'd often make a, they'd make a covenant and make a sacrifice and then the two parties would swap sides. So, la-di-da-di-da, 
And now, everything that Frank had, Graham would have, and everything Graham had, Frank would have. And what actually happens in this reading in Genesis 22, where God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son, is he is testing that covenant that they have previously made. And he is asking him, will you actually give me the thing that is most dear to you? Because that was the covenant that they'd said they had. And when God sees the faith in Abraham that he will not spare his son, God actually says, I never, I never wanted you to give me your son, but I just wanted to see if this covenant we had was real. And when he sees that it is, he provides a lamb as the sacrifice. I think it's a goat, actually. And they reckon it's a very similar hill 2,000 years later where God actually does provide his son, and that sacrifice happens. It's the most amazing picture of this swapping of the two parties. So the thing I just want us to get now is to think about Graham here representing us, okay? We, before Jesus made that sacrifice, were in a pretty broken state. We were full of all kinds of stuff that just wasn't working, what we call sin, it wasn't there. We couldn't live life well, we weren't free people. And Frank over here representing Jesus, who came on behalf of God, he, he had the full riches of heaven at his disposal. He had absolutely everything, okay? And what Jesus did when he came to make that covenant and fulfill that covenant promise with mankind was he came to actually take all of our junk Okay, so that let's swap place again, just to get the picture. So all of our junk, all of that sin came onto Jesus, and that all got taken away, and that's one side of the covenant which we get, which is incredible, nothing to take away from that. But the side of the covenant that I want us to really think about this morning is also the fact that we get all of what Jesus had, which was like the whole of heaven. And in the reading we had in Ephesians, it talks about every spiritual blessing. I'm just going to read. Thanks, you two. Um, let's have a round of applause for our volunteers. Okay. I, I hope that practical illustration just helps a little. But um, I just want to read a couple of the bits from Ephesians because um, when Paul writes this, it's almost like he, he gets in a fit of excitement and just can't stop writing stuff. And um, I, I heard it said that I think if you look at the original text, it's, there's, it's almost like there's no commas or there's just, it's just like a really long sentence because he's, just, he's speaking out how God has literally given us everything in Jesus. And he says, um, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, his glorious grace, favor, and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And um, I just think this morning, God wants to awaken us afresh to the reality of what he's actually done for us and the fact that he has given not just a bit of himself but 100% of himself for us to have and to know and it's in that place that we are called to be such a generous people. Um, and if we just, yeah, I, I just again, carrying on this theme, just looking at abundance, it strikes me that when, when I read the Gospels, like there, there are very few encounters where I can't see God's generosity it happens right through from the beginning. So his first miracle at that wedding in Cana, we've got, did you hear this? I think it was something like 120 liters of water in each of those jars, okay? Times six, that's a lot of water turning into wine, and it's the best quality wine. Like, that was God being incredibly generous. And then we go through, we see encounter after encounter where he is incredibly generous with people. And then at the end of his life, when um, he's on the cross and the criminal's next to him, and he says, 
will you have mercy on me? Even then, he's so generous. He's saying, today you will be with me in paradise. And we just see generosity, generosity throughout the time that Jesus is on earth. And um, there's, I mean, another one, actually, the woman at the well. Again, it's just this amazing picture of how generous God is. She, she knows that after she's met him, she's never going to be thirsty again for anything because she's encountered the generosity of God. And um, there's just a couple of verses that just to highlight, to hold on to, which we've got up here. So feel free to write any of these down because they're just really good places to go to sometimes just to remind ourselves of the generosity of God. Philippians 4 verse 19 is a wonderful verse and it says, um, it says, uh, I believe that I've actually lost it here, but I think it says something along the lines of, and God will provide uh, for my every need. Can I just grab it, actually? Thanks so much. Brilliant. (laughs) According, thank you. God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that, you know, all your needs, all our needs, there's, there's never a time when we don't see God abundantly provide in the Bible, I believe, for us. And, um, that, I just think, is something that we need to know and really kind of remind ourselves of. And another one I just want to highlight, we've been looking at Psalm 23 over the last uh, month or so in the evening service. And that, again, it paints this picture of overflowing. Like, overflowing is the most incredible picture of God's generosity inside of us. The, the idea that we would be so full of what he's like that springs of living water would, like, shoot out of us or flow out of us. It's this picture, again of just generous, generous overflow. And um, we're kind of moving towards coming into land because I just want to keep it fairly short and simple today. I'm going to say a couple of, other, couple of other things. But something I think is really, uh, can be quite a difficult issue or a question that we often have when it comes to generosity and when it comes to understanding what we're talking about particularly with money, but I think with all of these things, is the idea that there's the kind of prosperity gospel and then there's like giving everything away or having nothing, essentially being poor. And um, if we just move to the next slide, I I just find this a really helpful illustration um, because I think there's a little way that our thinking perhaps in a Western mindset uh, and completely feel feel free to disagree with me with this, I think there's a way that our thinking has got slightly warped. So for me, this is, I would say, how as Christians we often try and navigate our way between these two extremes of at the one hand having nothing and at the one hand having everything. So if you were to draw a big line and over here you've got nothing and over here you've got everything, in our understanding of truth, I think what we often try and do is take those two extremes and we try and land somewhere in the middle, okay? So it's kind of the idea of compromise, or essentially taking a bit of that truth, taking a bit of that truth, and we'll sit in the middle. And <clears throat> the, excuse me, the Hebraic understanding of truth, or the Hebrew idea of truth, if we just move on to the next picture, I find this really helpful. Um, I think it paints more of a kind of picture of truth being two opposites working in tandem. So someone um, referred to it as like the bike pedal idea of truth. So until you get those two different things working together, 
it's very hard for us to actually know what truth is. So it's kind of, instead of this long line where we have two extremes and we compromise, it's more the idea that we fully understand two things and then we work those two things out together. And when we talk about generosity and giving, that's, where I, that's what I've found to make the most sense so far. It's this idea that we, we need to fully know God's abundance and his love and his care for us, and we need to experience that as his children. And that is one truth. But at the same time, we need to fully, fully know that we don't have to hold on to those things because of a fear of not having enough or that God wouldn't provide anymore. And the more and more that we know him as our father in that way, the more and more that we can just lavishly give everything that we have away because we know that he's our provider. And that's what I see, that's how I see Jesus living personally. It's, he knew that he had everything from his father in heaven. It's like he had to pay the tax bill and he sends someone to the sea to find a fish and there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. It's crazy, but he knew that he always had enough, but he also would give everything away because he didn't worry about what he had. So that's just... Um, I guess that's just the kind of picture I thought was really helpful to end with it as we begin to look at this idea of what we get from God and how that affects our generosity. Um, and the very final thing I wanted to say is that now we get to represent, or as a helpful way to put it, perhaps represent the Father to each other. So that's why I think it's so important that we get generosity because the more and more that we understand this, we can represent what God's like to each other in the world that we live in. And there's a wonderful uh, verse, uh, there's a wonderful verse that articulates this very well in the context of love, and it's 1 John 4, I think it's verse 8, it says, Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. No man has at any time yet seen God, but if we love one another, God abides lives and remains in us, and his love is brought to completion, okay? So basically, he's brought to completion in us. So the more and more that we actually practically learn how to love one another and to provide for one another and to care for one another, the more and more that all of us get to sit and experience and know and give away God's abundance. And that's just, I think, a really kind of helpful illustration and picture for us um, to finish with. So... uh, I'm just going to pray for us, and I think we will go from there. We are, I might, we'll, we'll, talk, okay. We'll fit, so there is a reason why I put Muhammad Ali there, and um, as you will know, Muhammad Ali sadly passed away last week, and I was watching the documentary on the BBC about him, and I didn't know this bit, so I think he's, he was born, I think, a Christian or started going to church, but he decided um, to become a Muslim, or more to the point, he decided he didn't want anything to do with church, after a particular experience he had, which really was very sad to hear, but he'd won, I think, his first boxing gold at the Olympics, and he said that was the first time he'd basically felt loved and accepted as an American. So he'd kind of had the national anthem played. It was amazing. He went back to his hometown, and he went out to go and get some food, and essentially he wasn't allowed to eat in that restaurant because he was black. And he said that because he was going to church and he was seeing the hypocrisy of people's lives, he basically decided that the God that they believed in just couldn't be true. And isn't that the most amazing picture of how it goes wrong when we don't represent the Father to one another? Because he has called us to be generous, not just in what the world considers to be the norm now, but like ahead of its time. We should be 
like radically communicating what generosity looks like to the people around us in our lives. And that, for me, would show them who our Father is and what he's like. So I'm just going to pray, and we'll go from there. Holy Spirit, thank you that you don't leave us orphans. You don't leave us um, as we are, but you, you have come to continually lead us into a greater encounter with your dad. And Father, we thank you that one of the things we can rely on is you being our provider. And Lord, I just pray for, um, for all of us this morning, and again, not just thinking about money, but thinking about um, who we see ourselves to be, how significant we think we are, Lord, for each of us here where, it, where it's painful to, to hear this and to realize that whilst this might be true in theory, in practice we can live so far from this reality. So Holy Spirit, I ask that this morning and this week and over the next month, would you come and so gently change our view of who you are and how generous you are to us. And Lord, I pray, um, I really ask that for, for every single person we would personally experience in the way that we need to know your generosity um, in the places where we might not have done so. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a healer. We thank you that nothing is impossible for you to turn around. And Lord, we pray that we would be, uh, as we experience your grace, as we experience your generosity, the most incredibly generous people, Lord. Would we really see just our whole culture in this church of being so generous just go to a to another level. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Amen. Amen.